From CAFE, this is CAFE Insider. I'm Preet Bharara. And I'm Ann Milgram. So, Ann, we weren't going to do a regular episode this week, but no, the news just kind a, of overtook. Friday. Yes, completely, completely. And so Friday night was quite a night, and then Saturday as well. And um, yeah, it seems like the perfect time to get together just for a short time to talk it through. So it was a weird weekend for me, as you might imagine, and I've done a, a bit of writing and a lot of tweeting and a lot of talking about it. Deja vu all over again. This, in many ways, not in all ways, but in many ways, was precisely the weekend that I had three years and three months ago, when out of the blue, I was asked to resign, refused to resign, insisted on being fired by the president, was fired by the president, and then left. So we look forward to Jeff Berman's new podcast as a alum of the Southern District of, <laughs> of, New, of New York. Stay tuned with Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very, very small club of SDNY U.S. attorneys fired by Trump. Well, yes, it's two, right? You're, you're, it's just two. It's just you used the, to be 100%, just now just you're 50%. I'm glad Wait, to you, share. Have you talked to Berman? Did he reach out to you? We, yeah, we, we've, um, yeah, we've communicated. Yeah, um, I, I sort of felt like if I were in your shoes or in his shoes, that it's a natural connection to be made. I mean, obviously, you know, he's a Trump appointment, a, a Republican, um, was a partner with Giuliani for a period of time. But I mean, the, the bigger thing is that you both ran an incredible office in the Southern District of New York. Yeah, I, look, I wrote an op-ed for the New York Times, which was posted last night, at the end of which I said, and we'll get to this, we're jumping ahead a little bit. But Jeff Berman walked out of the Southern District with his head held high. And I think there's some other people uh, who should not be proud of how they handled this, namely the Attorney General of the United States. Yeah, let's talk it through. I mean, let's let's talk through sort of. So let's take it from Friday the top. Night. Yeah. So so Friday night, out of the blue, comes this statement that I you know how I heard about it. Our friend Ellie Honig texted me. I was finishing up dinner, and he said something like, "Holy cow, SDNY!" I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And Bill Barr puts out this unexpected statement after 9 p.m. on Friday basically saying the president intends to nominate, hasn't nominated, but intends to nominate the chairman of the SEC, Jay Clayton, to be the next U.S. attorney in SDNY. And in the meantime, a guy named Craig Carpenito, who's the U.S. attorney in New Jersey, would be the U.S. attorney not only in New, Jer- in New Jersey, but also the acting U.S. attorney in SDNY. We can get to why that would rankle people. And then almost as an aside, at the end of the statement, he thanks Jeff Berman for his service, who he says is, this is a quote, is stepping down after two and a half years of service as the U.S. attorney in the Southern District, which gives everyone the impression that what? That he was resigning and that he was voluntarily moving on. Right. That's the, and we'll get to that. That's important in all this and how you assess responsibility here. That is the plain language of that statement. So all of a sudden, you know, the SDNY alumni network goes into overdrive on Friday evening. You can imagine how much texting and emailing and phone calling is going on, speaking to people in the office, outside the office. And it becomes clear that something weird is going on because we're not hearing from Jeff Berman just yet. And it became clear through the grapevine that he was going to put out his own statement. And uh, by the way... Which is also highly unusual, right? I mean, Very this was, unusual. This, you know, so I, I, I would argue s- necessary, but very unusual. Yeah. Well, and it's unusual for a particular reason. So, so I agreed to go on CNN on Friday night, and some people may have seen this, and in the middle of, of broadcasting with Don Lemon on, on Friday night, while we're trying to assess what's happening here and what this means, we get the statement from Jeff Berman, which not only says, I'm not resigning, and I have no intention of resigning, 
it says, look, I don't intend to leave until there's a Senate-confirmed replacement because I was appointed by the court. Just remind people, you know, the last Senate-confirmed U.S. attorney in SDNY was me. Yeah. Confirmed 11 years ago. Since then, there have been a series of acting, and then after a certain number of days, Jeff Berman was appointed by the court. Should we just explain this quickly? Because yeah. I think this is this is a little bit unusual, and Trump has done it in a number of places, including New Jersey, where the attorney general has uh, the ability under statute to basically appoint an acting United States attorney for 120 days. At the end of that 120 days, and by the way, at any point in time, it's the president's job to nominate United States attorney for one of the federal districts, and then the Senate confirms that person. So if the president hasn't nominated someone, the attorney general can put someone in that position in the acting in an acting capacity for 120 days. At the end of that 120 days, the power is then given by law to the district court to put someone in as the U.S. attorney. And at any point in time, the president could nominate someone else and the Senate could confirm them. But if they don't, then the district court has put that person in. So that's true of Jeff Berman. He was not Senate confirmed. It's also true of Craig Carpenito in New Jersey. He was not Senate confirmed, but they were people who were put in by the attorney general and then the district court converted them. Right. And so then the question becomes, in real time, can the attorney general and or the president remove Jeff Berman? It's a, it's a legal question, which I was trying to answer while on the air. During commercial breaks, people are sending me statutes and, and legal opinions. And essentially, the, the reason, we don't have to spend too much time on this because it turns out that Berman ended up leaving. I'd like to spend more time on why he made the decision he made on Saturday evening. But there's one statute, 28 U.S.C. 541, that says each United States attorney is subject to removal by the president. Seems kind of a flat statement that anyone can be removed, but that's in the statute that contemplates a person who has been appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Separately, 28 U.S.C. 546 says, if an appointment expires under subsection Z2, the district court for such district may appoint a U.S. attorney to serve until the vacancy is filled. That's sort of the position that Berman is in and Carpenito was in. Court appointed the U.S. attorney to, quote, serve until the vacancy is filled which seems to suggest that maybe he could stay in place. Now, there was a 1979 Office of Legal Counsel opinion, everyone's familiar with the OLC now, that addressed this issue and basically said for a variety of reasons, at least internally at the department, the understanding was, well, you should be able to be removable by the President of the United States, maybe not by the Attorney General, if you were appointed by the court, but you can be removed by the President, which then became a sort of a, an important issue overnight because... It looked like on Friday it was Bill Barr taking the action, and Jeff Berman wanted to know if the president himself was taking the action. So yep. I, I think and overall— really, Actually, I think Berman forced the president's hand, right? And so the yeah. president was trying to isolate from this, have Barr do it. And then by Saturday, we get Barr saying the president, in a letter, the president has fired you. I agree with your analysis. It's pretty— it's pretty widely accepted, I think, that the president can fire a U.S. attorney. We're going to talk about under what circumstances right. the president it would be can weird not, It would be weird not to allow someone who is serving who the executive branch, yes. who is supervised in the executive branch, you know, as feisty and as an interesting move as it was, I think it wasn't probably fully on solid ground. So the next day, Bill Barr, you know, a long time goes by between those two dueling statements. And Bill Barr writes a letter. I don't know. I'm curious what you thought of it. It was pretty snarky. It did some name calling. Very snarky. Yes, <laughs> that's and, kind of the and, Bill and Barr way. Un, unnecessarily so, because he had Barr had the audacity to basically 
fire someone by press release, right? And yeah. and not and give not them, call it a firing. Yes, and not call it a firing. And then when Berman responds and basically says, "I didn't resign," and by the way, I'm appointed by the court. You can't personally fire me, you know. And obviously, leaving open this possibility that the president can, but sort of forcing Barr's hand. Barr then says it's unprofessional for. Berman to have responded, but it's like, unfortunately, Berman was playing, had to play on Barr's terms, right? I mean, Barr sort of set the arena and Berman had to walk in. Otherwise, he would have been, you know, a sort essentially just going along with what I believe in his mind he probably felt was an improper firing. And and I happen, you and I can talk about this. I happen to be- believe that it is it is deeply problematic and warrants a lot longer conversation on why it's being done and whether or not, even though the president has the power to fire a U.S. attorney, there are constraints on that that we can talk about in a minute. And I think you're actually weirdly an expert on all of these things, right? Because <laughs> You're an expert because you were the person who was fired. I investigated first by the U.S. Trump. attorney firings exactly. in 2007. Exactly. Then I, then we, I got fired. Yes. Right. And now we're talking about my successor being fired. And I, we're talking about, you know, <laughs> Gonzalez stepped down as a result of the investigation that you yeah. led when you were with Senator Schumer in the Judiciary Committee. But if people recall in 2007, 2006, Gonzalez fired, I believe it was nine U.S. attorneys. And it, he alleged that it was for performance, but it looked incredibly political, particularly one U.S. attorney that they were trying trying to get to engage in some voter some voter fraud prosecutions that that the US attorney was not willing to do I believe I don't I don't remember all the details but it was basically the allegation was that Gonzalez was acting in a political manner to get out US attorneys who were perfectly competent and so it does feel like you know you're both an expert and it feels like deja vu on a lot of levels but most importantly Gonzalez's power was checked. So even though he had the ability to fire those folks, people raised legitimate questions about the independence of U.S. attorneys because they enforce the criminal laws and cannot be used for political means. So I, I just want to you know, make sure we're clear on that. I want to get back to the letter again because there's a lot of important stuff in that. But let's just go back to the basic idea. There's no complaints about Jeff Berman. He's doing a good job. No explanation has been given as to why now, four and a half months before the election, you remove a well-performing United States attorney in that district. What else do we know about that district? It's prosecuted the president's personal lawyer. The president was upset that Jeff Berman recused himself, so he couldn't protect the president, arguably. He's investigating this Turkish bank that we know from the John Bolton book, President Erdogan wanted to do something about, and the president responds, if you believe John Bolton, in this case I do, well, you know, I don't have my people there in the Southern District. We have a whole bunch of reports that the president's not happy with how SDNY operates and gets too close to home. And we have reports that there's an ongoing investigation of the president's other personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. So on the one hand, you have all this evidence. And you have Deutsche Bank too, the president's And and Deutsche Bank, right. You have all this evidence that SDNY is engaging in all this investigation of stuff that the president might not like. No evidence at all that Jeff Berman has done anything wrong. And by the way, it would have been one thing if they said, well, Jeff Berman's no good, he's no good lawyer, we've lost confidence in him. Instead- But they offered him other jobs. And right? what job so, did they offer him? This is the craziest thing to they me. They offered him the head of the civil division, which is arguably an equal job, right? Because well, I don't, that job, I don't think so. But hear me out. Like, I, I agree. You, you and I would say that being the Southern District U.S. attorney is more important in our world. But this, the head of the civil division is the head of the civil division for the United States of America. And so it is a really critical job. And the U.S. gets sued all the time. They sue people all the time. Like, it is a job that is Senate confirmed. It is a very important job. But more crazy than that, is the other job that he was offered was chair of the SEC. Yes, and it's Jay Clayton. But the point is, that's the job Jay Clayton already had. Jay Clayton, nice guy, did a decent job as chairman of the SEC, and I have a bit of trivia to mention in a moment. Never tried a case, to my knowledge, never litigated a case, to my knowledge, 
No, never been a, a never been a prosecutor, yeah. never been an SDNY. So why would you take the guy, given his qualifications, who's already performing well, it's a few months to the election at the SEC, and swap him out with a person who doesn't have as many qualifications to be the head of the, the chairman of the SEC, right? It's, it's a bizarre swappage at that moment. My bit of trivia, by the way, yeah, which is probably not interesting to anybody except you and maybe some people in the insider community. Years ago, three years and, and a few months ago, on March 9th, I was meeting with Jay Clayton in my office. Oh, when you were fired? I was meeting with Don't Jay Clayton me. in my I was meeting with Jay Clayton <laughs> in my office when literally as the meeting was wrapping up, I got a phone call. I saw on my cell phone that the deputy attorney general was calling me, the acting deputy, which is very peculiar. And it seemed to me something was up if he was calling my cell phone and not going through my assistant. Hastily ended the meeting, and literally one minute after Jay Clayton left my office. I got word that I was being asked to resign. So there's, I don't know what that means, if there's any karma there at all. No, it's very, it's very unique. I, one thing I want to say about Jay Clayton, I don't know him. I know nothing really about him other than his SEC work, which is, it seems fine, but I don't, I don't know that there's that much more to be said about it. But um, one of the things I noted was that there was, there's been some public reporting where he said that um, being the U.S. attorney in the Southern District would really, you know, sort of burnish his litigation credentials, which is only funny because the really key credential to get the job is like your ability to prosecute or defend, be involved in a criminal litigation matter. Go to the litigation department at your firm, maybe. Yes. You don't take the job as the U.S. attorney for the Southern District to learn how to litigate. Here's what I think about the Jay Clayton situation. And it's speculation on my part, but I think it's reasonable speculation. And it also involves what I think about Bill Barr and his reputation for candor and truth. I think Jay Clayton may have expressed some interest. I think that's being leaked by the Justice Department to cover the tracks a little bit of the Attorney General. Jay Clayton's not a a dumb guy. He's a smart person. And I think if he had known that his nomination to be the U.S. Attorney in SDNY was going to be over the corpse of Jeff Berman, that's a weird way of going about it. He He would have been able to predict that there would have been a lot of opposition, both local senators, Senator Gillibrand and Senator Schumer, say they want Jay Clayton to withdraw himself. And from Senator Graham has said that he won't move forward the nomination without yeah. the, the home state senator's so, approval. And that's right, really so common. He's practice. dead. So yeah, Jay Clayton exactly. is dead on arrival. The nomination. And he is could not have predicted. My hypothesis is that Bill Barr played this fast and loose. Agreed. That that he in the same way that he said blithely in that press release falsely that Jeff Berman was stepping down, he probably said to Jay Clayton, Hey, listen. You want to come back to New York, you're interested in, you know, guess what? Uh, Jeff Berman's stepping down. This would be great for you. He's like, oh, that's great. You know, I would do that. Although I still think it's a little odd. Don't you think? Yeah, here's what I think. I am totally in agreement with you. I think now that it's just, it's a litany of excuses and made up stories to try to justify what was, in my view, a political act that was taken. I don't know why it was taken. I don't know if it's any of the cases we just named. I also personally think it's possible that they were starting to look at something else or someone else. Like, we don't know. We're sitting on the outside. But there there are a lot of reasons why the Southern District would be a problem to someone like President Trump or Attorney General Barr, right? They're doing their investigations. They're following the facts and the law. And so wherever that leads them, and frankly, you know, it's led them in a way that is that has caused a number of Trump's affiliate associates to be charged and to be investigated. And so I think that this strikes me as also the timing. Why would you do it five months ahead of the election? It becomes incredibly political. And part of it is that also you and I both know, and I I just want to sort of suggest this 
to you. And again, I don't want to speculate because I really I should say I have I have zero insight into what's happening in the Southern District. But it's not uncommon in the run up to an election that if there are cases that are outstanding that haven't been charged, that you want to have be charged and you don't want them to become political footballs, that you go to the grand jury, that you sort of finish things before the next administration could potentially come in. And who knows? The president may be reelected. The president may not be. But you as an office, you basically would say, like, look, what are we going to get done? What are we what are we going to hold? And you're going to make some decisions. So the timing to me could relate to that, to the fact that that there are certain decisions that may be made in the next in the next sort of few months. Now, the other piece of this about Clayton is that there is no way when the president fired you, this was a political firestorm, right? And there have been allegations repeatedly of Bill Barr of using his influence improperly. In the Michael Flynn case, most recently, in the Mueller report and the way he summarized it, I mean, there are there are a number of things we could list. So the idea that Jay Clayton, who happens to have golfed with the president and maybe be a friend of the president, that you would expend this kind of political capital to take out the, indep- the head of the most independent U.S. attorney's office in the country five months before the election, just because he wants to go back back to New York and is interested in the job. Like, it just defies logic and reason. So I don't believe that. The exact reason, I don't know. I think it's probably somewhere in between that he did have the ambition. It was kind of an unrealistic ambition on his part and an overreach. But at the same time, I think they're hanging him out to dry and saying, well, he wanted the job. He lobbied for the job. That seems to be very deliberately put out there so that he looks bad. Now, this letter, the obnoxious letter that Bill Barr sent to Jeff Berman, in which he says, you have chosen public spectacle over public service, which is a ridiculous statement, was viewed as a snarky letter, but it was actually, in my mind, a very substantial retreat from the position of Friday evening. One, that letter doesn't dispute in any way that Berman wasn't intending to resign and that the falsehood in the prior statement remains a falsehood. He doesn't address it at all. He said, oh, well, we were in ongoing negotiations about some other job in the department. Second thing is, he doesn't mention at all the next day what's going on with Craig Carpenito the U.S. attorney in New Jersey, who, by the way, just as an aside, and this is a parochial aside, and this is lost because other people don't necessarily think about this, the morale in the SDNY, and forgive me for this, morale in the SDNY to have to be led by the U.S. attorney from an adjacent and competitive competing district. Don't New trash Jersey. talk my home state, Preet. <laughs> I'm not. But the idea that the I'm Southern, teasing Southern, you. Southern, I know. SDNY is a proud place. And the idea that, that it would be led part-time by another court-appointed U.S. attorney from across the river, look, it's a, when it's we absurd. compete for the cases, would have yes, been kind of absurd. crazy. So it's in the absurd. letter, also just for the following reason, they're both two very, very busy offices, and I would argue the Southern District is probably one of like the strongest and and busiest of all of the offices in the United States, including the Eastern District of Virginia and a couple of others, but in part because the financial industry is in New York. And no, so and they're huge offices. And the idea yes. that you can just like, oh, just throw but this guy at, also, at the... It's, yes, they're both it's big offices a big and have, office, and have a yes. lot of work. Nowhere is Carpenito mentioned in the Saturday letter. Instead, this to me is the concession, and I, we can discuss why there was a concession. It says in, in news that was very welcome in SDNY and elsewhere, that the deputy, which would be the normal course, Audrey Strauss the number two person at SDNY, would assume the acting position. That's what happened when I was fired. June Kim, my deputy, became the acting U.S. attorney. And that's important because it makes it look far less political. Continuity. Yes. Yeah, all sorts of continuity. Now, it's just very interesting to me how Bill Barr goes goes around speaking about issues. A normal person would have said, you know, having thought about it further, we're not going to impose Carpenito on SDNY. Instead, he just doesn't mention it as if it didn't happen, as, as as if it wasn't a big 
shell shock kind of thing, and just sort of quietly says, oh, you know, by the way, Audrey Strauss will take over. The reason is, I think there were legal problems with putting in Carpenito at the SDNY. There was yeah, a firestorm. Really interesting, yeah, there's also there's a really interesting question under the appointments clause because Carpenito was not Senate confirmed. Under the Vacancies Act, it says that you have to have that you can swap in one Senate confirmed person as an acting in another role. And here, Carpenito had not been Senate confirmed. And so I think that raises huge issues. Look, the other thing is he might be, I don't know, I'm just speculating again. He might be in the same position as Jay Clayton. He's like, you know, I didn't want a part of this you know, drug deal, as John Bolton referred to something uh, during the impeachment conduct. This is a firestorm. Why do I need any part of this? And it's possible that he decided, you know, I didn't know we were going to be doing this over the objection of Jeff Berman, and it was going to be a whole firestorm. I, I really uh, do I'm, think I'm, that Bill I'm Barr a walked skeptical through, of that, yeah? And I'll tell you why I'm skeptical of that, because I feel like a lot of folks have just made a decision to play, you know, to play ball with the president and the AG, and they're playing, and they're you know, I look, I think they should understand their pawns in the chess match and that they get played and are being played in ways that they may like or not like. And look, Clayton might have been a little ambitious and a little bit, you know, willing to sort of gamble it that he could get the Southern District U.S. attorney job, even though, again, I would argue he's wholly unqualified for that job, though qualified, obviously, for his current role and many other jobs. I mean, look, I have no idea, but I sort of I feel like the other piece of this is that there was enormous political pressure that was brought to bear on Friday night where people were basically saying, why is, you know, we know about these ongoing investigations, why Jeff Berman appears to have done a good job and to have been, you know, really conscious of following the law and the facts. He seemed apolitical largely. And so, like, you know, people are basically scratching their head, particularly with all these big investigations of Trump associates. And then you've got this funny legal piece happening with it. And so, you know, it sort of felt to me like the Carpinito piece was likely to lose. And also they were going to sort of pay the price politically every single day on it. And Berman was still in office. And so, you know, it had set up this showdown that I think at the end of the day, the president was going to have to publicly fire Berman. And then it's another level beyond that to put Carpenito in. Yeah. And that whole letter, notwithstanding the name calling, was a retreat, right? It was a retreat from Carpenito. It also was a concession that the attorney general could not directly fire Jeff Berman, right? He says, you have been obstinate in some way. I've asked the president to fire you, and he has done so. Now, the hilarious thing about that, and I think that at this point that Berman was beginning to write his, uh, you know, his stepping down statement, and he was going to leave the office because he was assured now, at least for the time being, that Audrey Strauss would take over, and that gives some continuity to the office and some protection to the office. President gets asked the question, why are you firing Berman? And the president says, I'm not involved. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that. Which, Which is as I so, tweeted, yeah. as I tweeted over the weekend— he finally, 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 after three years, he learned the talking point. I do not get involved with what goes on at the Justice Department. And he used it on the one occasion he where he needed to it. say the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's only under your authority that Berman can go. And he's like, oh, no, what was that thing they told me to say? I'm a very capable attorney general, so that's really up to him. I'm not involved. Now, then it gets us, I guess, to the question, one of the final questions or penultimate questions is why does Jeff Berman go at the end of the day, especially since there's this contradiction between Barr saying the president fired you and the president saying I wasn't involved. That's another circumstance in which somebody is lying, not telling the truth. And I think it's the, I mean, we, I, I'm curious as to what you would have done. I think I would have done the same. Having gotten the concession that Audrey Strauss would take over, and we can talk about her also, and having, I think, probably by Saturday afternoon 
appreciating that the legal argument was not going to be necessarily a winner, although there's an argument to be made that he couldn't be fired even by the president, that to put the office through that, to put the Justice Department through some litigation between a U.S. attorney and an attorney general, I think was just was just too much. And there are all sorts of ways in which you'll be undermined trying to stay in your job while that issue is litigated. It just was untenable to me. So I just, want to, I just want to say that I love that you just said, I think what I would have done when actually we know what you, <laughs> we actually have some evidence of what you would have done. Which well, is but, like, but, but I didn't have any legal argument at all. I, mean, I, I accepted at the outset. No, but you made the president fire, yeah. like the president, you made the president fire you, right? And so you basically made them walk through the front door and do it. And that's exactly what Berman did. And so I think what he did was largely what you did, which is to basically say like, look, and I believe it's the right thing. The president appoints the U.S. attorneys. It feels to me like you're putting yourself above like almost above the law and above the, any process to say like that the president can't fire you and to have a long drawn out battle, which would make it exactly like you said, it would make it about that person and not about the integrity of the office, which is, you know, not the way we want our government to run. And so I think he did the right thing. He also stayed and got this huge concession. I think we should talk about it. And, you know, I've seen people argue publicly that actually Barr is in a worse position now with Audrey Strauss as the sort of acting head of the office. And there's an argument for that. She's not a political appointment. Berman was a political appointment. He was a Giuliani law partner. He was a donor to the president. You know, he was he'd shown himself to be independent as he ran the Southern District. But Audrey Strauss strikes me as a career prosecutor with none of the political connections or ties. And so I think what Berman did in basically taking a stand and getting the office run by his deputy, who he obviously has full confidence in and believes that she will complete investigations that should be completed and follow through. That to me is a huge win also. And I I sort of feel like maybe the public doesn't understand that, what a big deal that actually is. So I have a qualification to that. So first, Audrey Strauss is widely respected. You know, people say that. I think I only say it when I mean it here. Other people say it about all sorts of folks. You know, Jay Clayton was called a distinguished attorney by Bill Barr, which is the thing that makes him qualified to be the U.S. attorney. I respectfully disagree with that. Audrey Strauss has been around for a long time. Private practice, she's been in-house. She's deeply principled. She has a lot of integrity. She cares about the institution of the Southern District and the Department of Justice. So that's all good and great. What I am worried about with these guys at the Department of Justice is that they always live to fight another day. And I don't see anything at all in the letter that indicates that Audrey Strauss is protected in that position until someone else is confirmed, or they want to you know, throw someone else in there, Carpenito or someone else, that is more legally plausible. Oh, yeah, it's not I done. think in a, cup, I, in a couple of weeks, when right, things I settle agree. down, and everyone's, oh, happy, live to fight another day, Bill Barr announces on a Friday. By the way, that's the other reason why you know some of this is sketch. Why are you announcing the stepping down yeah. of the U.S. attorney and a new nominee at 9-something p.m. on a Friday night? That's, that's the first thing that tells you there's something... But weird do you, about do you, this whole so thing. But I'm worried about I'm worried about Audrey being able to stay there for a number of months. Do you think he's going to put in another deputy over her? Is that what you think? Because I don't see any way they get someone confer- nominated and confirmed now before the election. No, but I think they have I the ability. I, no, but yeah. I think they have the, I, I think they have the legal ability. Maybe Carpenito didn't suffice. I think they have the legal ability to put in a different acting. Right. Somebody who's been Senate confirmed. Yeah, look, that's what they, that's how Berman got in, in the first place. Right. At some point, and maybe she has a period of time. I think she has, I think she has 210 days. And so maybe, maybe they won't be able to. 120 days by the AG. But yeah. Oh, you might be right because she's stepping in from the deputy role. I don't know. Yeah. So I think she has 210 days, which I think takes us basically to the inauguration. So when I left and my deputy became the acting U.S. attorney, June Kim, 
I think what happened, I got to go back and, and refresh my recollection. He had his 210 days after which they put in Jeff Berman. So I think there's some flexibility for them to do something here. I think we should go back. I need to research that a little bit more. But if but she gets to well stay taken. in. Your point great. is well taken that this may not be done. But look, for the moment, I think the right thing happened. And I think, you know, it preserves the integrity of the office. And I think it's worth a longer conversation because obviously the president gets to make a political appointment to be the head of all the federal United States attorney's offices. And the president can, I believe, can remove people. But I I think that there's a really high bar to removing someone because of this question of political influence in criminal investigations, which we never want. And so, and it's a rule of law question. So we only have a couple of minutes left. We want to make this sort of a quick overview. I guess the final thing to talk about briefly is what's going to happen next. So I saw Jerry Nadler on television this weekend saying, We are having a hearing on Wednesday in which we have a number of uh, whistleblowers from the Department of Justice who will testify. Uh, We have invited uh, Berman, and I'm sure he will, uh, I don't know about Wednesday, but I'm sure he will uh, testify. My view of that is that Jeff Berman is not going to have a lot to say. People ask me a lot of questions. When I got fired, they wanted to know what were you working on that might have been sensitive that might have caused a president. I didn't answer any of it. I think it's not proper to answer any of it, even though people keep asking again and again and again. So I don't think he'll go. I don't think they'll learn something. Look, I don't know that we'll ever gonna, we're ever going to learn the reason why they got rid of him. I've never learned the reason why they got rid of me. It could be a generalized, you know, loyalty issue or irritation. Like, why does Trump get rid of a lot of other people who are competent and doing their job well? Right. And look, I think it's also going to be clear that there, if we if we ever found out what really has been going on for the past period of time, it would be clear that people like Giuliani will be will have been lobbying, in my view, very high likelihood that they would be lobbying the president. They will have been hearing a lot about these cases and these investigations and how unfair they are. And so my sense is we may never unpack it, but we should all understand that there is definitely likely, in my view, to have been a high level of dissatisfaction with the independence of that office and with the investigations that that come close to the president. Um, And I don't think the president, by the way, has made any secret of believing that people who are loyal to him will not investigate he and his associates and that he doesn't want that to happen. And so, you know, it's very interesting and it may be a specific case. It may not be. I will tell you this. I'm sure that if any charges come out or any there are any cooperators announced or any, you know, guilty pleas that are announced, I'm sure that everyone will say, aha, and that may or may not be true. I, I, I agree with you. We'll never, we'll probably never know unless at some point Jeff Berman writes his memoir like John Bolton, which I do not expect. <laughs> um, all right. So that's, that's a quick 30 minutes on the crazy events of the weekend, which I hope people appreciate is, is not a small deal. And I, I wish all the luck in the world to the rank and file folks at the SDNY I miss them. And I know it, I've talked to a bunch of people over the past weekend. It's, it it's, been, it's be a very so tough time. Yeah. It's also going to be their fourth U.S. attorney in a little over three years. That kind of musical chairs thing does not does not work well in a big office. You know, you Do you can't know what have, else is different, Tupreet? I mean, we've now seen AUSAs resign in the wake of the Stone and the Flynn cases and step aside. And I, in my mind on Friday night, I wondered before Barr's statement on Saturday and before Berman agreed to step out, I sort of wondered if we wouldn't see a revolt from some of the lawyers in the Southern District because it's a little bit cumulative. So what's what's happened in Southern District, it's not in isolation. It's also on top of what all the AUSAs have been watching happening at the Department of Justice and nationwide. And so- And D.C. I mean, one, one thing I wanted to mention was maybe part of the reason they thought they could pull this nonsense off in SDNY is they did a version of this in D.C., and they you know, got they, away with it. They got Jesse away with Lou. it. They, they yes. moved Jesse Liu out. They imposed the other guy who's also out now. They changed the positions of the government 
on Roger Stone. As you mentioned, some people resigned from the case. You know, all the line people resigned from the case. Like, look, we can get our business done in D.C. this way. We can do the same thing in Southern District, and it didn't work out quite. Didn't work out quite the same. Agreed. And I'm looking forward to our live taping tomorrow. Our lucky week, we get to do this twice. I know. I'm looking so forward insiders, to it. So insiders, join us. Join us tomorrow, 7.30. Sounds good. Talk soon, Preet. Bye, Anne. Bye. I hope you found our conversation informative. We'll continue to follow the story and break down politically charged legal matters making the headlines. You can now try the Cafe Insider membership free for two weeks. To join, head to cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. To all our insiders, thank you for supporting our work. That's it for this week's Insider Podcast. Your hosts are Preet Bharara and Ann Milgram. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The senior audio producer is David Tatashore. And the cafe team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Sam Ozer-Staten, Calvin Lord, Noah Azulai, and Jeff Eisenman. Our music is by Andrew Dost. Thank you for being a part of the Cafe Insider community. 